Child's Play, a terrifying new movie. Something has moved in with the Barkley family. And so has terror. Child's Play. Child's Play. Rated R. Starts Wednesday, November 9th at a theater near you. Hey everybody, this is Brandon Forda. Welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. I have a very special co-host this week, my good buddy James Garibay. Say hi, James. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going, world? Good to be back here. Glad to have you back. And I made a sacred vow that I would not do any of the Child's Play movies without your participation. Well, that's very kind of you. They are very near and dear to my heart. I know. I know they are. So I don't think it would be as much fun um, without your your participation because um, I know that they have been – they're your, uh, your go-to franchise, yes? The very first one, yes. I will watch that movie in sickness and in health because it always just takes me back to such a – carefree time in my life i could say yeah i was sick i was six years old when i saw it it traumatized my nine-year-old sister and i was just you know having the most fun any six-year-old could watching a movie Mm. well we're going to be doing a double feature so this is going to be a marathon night so we are going to not do the usual lengthy intro as much as I enjoy talking with you, I don't, want to, I don't want to keep you here all night. <laughs> um, so I just need to get the plugs out of the way. Um, first and foremost, I uh, would like to encourage all the listeners out there to check out my books in paperback and Kindle editions by going to Amazon.com or the Amazon app, typing in Brandon Ford. You can also check out my books in audiobook format on Audible by going to audible.com or the Audible app. If you don't already, please follow me on Instagram at writerbrandonford. You can also follow me on Twitter at brandonford. And I just signed up with Letterboxd, so if you'd like to follow me there, you can find me at brandonford, all one word. Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, critiques, suggestions, recommendations, feel free to email me at blindragepod81 at gmail.com last but not least please don't forget to rate review and subscribe rating goes a long way with the algorithms it gets the podcast some much needed exposure and it only takes a couple seconds to hit the drop down and select a star rating even if it's on a five star i'll take a one star just as long as you rate and are honest so yes rate us damn it yes otherwise we're gonna mail chucky to you and you know let him do his thing yes go all jennifer tilly on your ass exactly or tiffany (laughs) she gets confused yeah see what i did there (laughs) all right so we are going to begin with i didn't even say what we're doing which one we're doing we are doing the original 1988 classic well, I should hope so. Yeah. And um, this is 
the uh, this is the first time that I've I've done a commentary for this one. I didn't do any of the child's play movies for um, my previous um, commentary. So you, it was time. It was. It's long overdue. It really is. Well, without further ado, let's get to it, and we can swap stories along the way. Okay, it sounds good. So, as always, we're going to get started with a three count. So, are you ready, James? I am. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, play. Ah, the old MGM logos. Yeah. This is vintage stuff right here. I know, I love it. So, I have a story, a quick one, that I don't... I don't remember ever telling this to anybody before, probably because it's makes me seem like a weirdo more more <laughs> like a weirdo than i actually am yeah but i am old enough to remember when this was first theatrically released yeah and i remember being very young and seeing the tv spots and one thing that stuck out is the shot of Chucky walking down the hall and all you see is his hand clenching the knife with the voodoo symbolism painted on the blade. Oh, cool. And for some reason I was struck by that image. I didn't I don't know why. I didn't understand anything about voodoo. I just thought it was trippy and weird and I'd never seen anything like it before. Yeah. And I, again, because I'm a weirdo, I made little paper knives and cut them out and tried to copy that voodoo, that voodoo symbolism from memory with magic marker. <laughs> And I had a little box with magic markers in it and a bunch of little paper knives with my ridiculous attempt at emulating that symbolism on them. Yeah, it is a little intricate. I mean, it is. What I remember when I was, I just remember like always thinking it was like a ketchup and mustard knife because of the yellow and red. I never put that together, but that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was so little, I was just kind of focusing on the colors of it all. And yeah. I apologize if y'all hear whining in the background. It's my puppies. But... Didn't they get yeah. enough attention? Uh, apparently not. They, I let you out. I let you go to the restroom. You have such a hard life, don't you? I think um, Lester might be afraid. Maybe that's it. Oh, he can't see. But, you know. He does. Oh. oh. Lester, stop. He does watch movies with me sometimes. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 
So, oh. Um. Okay, I let him out. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> Okay, so when was the first time you saw this movie? Right when it was released on video. I do. I, I vividly remember the rental VHS with the. Um, it was like a uh, kind of a chrome uh, colored uh, label. Yeah. I do remember that. And I do remember the tagline on the VHS he's one mean SOB <laughs> I don't remember the the metallic looking cover I remember when no, we the label on the on the VHS tape it was, oh it was oh. yeah it was um it was like it was silver and it had the MGM logo on it and it had the child's play in a very title and a very basic red typeface right yeah, I remember when we rented it, it was like the image of Chucky when he's holding the knife, the famous ugly picture Chucky. <laughs> well, they when they reissued it, they uh, uh, did a, cl- a close-up of his face. It w- you could just see his face and the knife being raised. But right. on the original vhs it was a full shot of him standing his full body from head to toe yes standing yes the knife. yeah that's the cover that i remember because we didn't watch it until years later like my my brother was eight years old when it came out and he saw the trailers and he was just like petrified of this little thing so we didn't see it until like i said when i was like six years old when my mom rented it and yeah, so he would have been 12 and he had just as much fun with it as I did. But you know, you see kindergartners and they're, they'd ask me, what's your favorite TV show and movie? And I would say, Child's Play and then Tales from the Crypt. Things not things a six year old should not say is their favorite TV show and movie. Oh, I probably said the same thing. <laughs> I was a weirdo kid too. Yeah. I got called weird, and then by when I was age 10, I just started saying thank you, and I just embraced it, because it is. It's great to be weird. Well, it's better than being boring. This is true. Ew. He's in the doll now. This is a great score. I especially love the the score that plays over the end titles because it's it's very haunting. It really is. I love that. Yeah, like good day or bad day, I will always throw this movie on. This is one of the many horror films that I studied the French dub of. Really? Yeah. To help me with my French, because the actor who does French, Chucky, actually does a really good job. I'm not sure if he's... I don't think it's the same uh, voice actor from the first one, but I'm almost positive it's the same 
uh, one from for parts two and three, and he does really does, he does a really good job. Are you talking about the French the French dubber? The French the French the French uh, actor who does the dub? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I've always wanted to watch this in a different language because I mean I know what backwards and forwards. That giant uh, uh, good guy is so weird and creepy. <laughs> With that giant head. Yeah, that's the scariest one of the whole movie. It is. It's scarier <laughs> than Chucky. <laughs> I keep toying with the idea of like getting a legitimate good guy doll, but I can't. I don't know. I, know. I could find it. I just don't have the money to pay for it. Yeah, they're like over a hundred, hundred bucks. If you want a good legit one, it's going to be at least five. Oh, shoot! Sorry, I'm trying to work on my sniffing. Um, yeah, at Frightmare a few years ago, the, um, the everybody. Everybody was there because they were celebrating 30 years of Chucky. And there was this uh, this attendee. They had a legitimate, you know, good guy Chucky doll, like down to the color. It wasn't the cute Chucky. It was kind of like a little human Chucky when he was going human. But it looked awesome. And I was like, hey, dude, like, let me get a picture of you. He's like, okay. And I asked, like, how much was this? They're like, oh, I paid like, you know, almost a thousand dollars. I'm like, Jesus. Hmm. I mean, we're dedicated. Horror fans are dedicated. Yeah. But it was so cool to meet everybody. Brad Dorf is kind of soft-spoken. Fiona Dorf is just awesome to talk to. Don Mancini was better looking in person than he is in interviews. Really? He, he was really cool. And then I got to talking to Christina Lee about her character arc in part two. Save that and for part two. Yes. Don't, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I know. I'm sorry. I just, I love these movies. I understand. And I talked to Tom Holland for like 10 minutes. That was awesome. Really? Yeah. I just, I made mention, I just like kind of told him how much I admired him, how, how much I loved this movie and what it did, did for me and my sense of humor. And then we got to talking about the scene where she drops him and rolls him under the couch and how they, how they did it. Yeah, it was it was on a slant, right? Yes, he said it took them like four hours to figure that out. Yeah, this this is all a soundstage. This whole apartment. Yes, the outside shots are obviously shot in Chicago. Yeah, there. I I was listening to a, a podcast, um, and the the guys who did it are they live in chicago and they know a lot of the areas the movie was shot especially a lot Mm -hmm. of the cedar cedar areas where um chucky gets andy to go to kill eddie caputo yeah and that area is very very dangerous still to this day and Even uh, the sub uh, the subway train um, is very dangerous, and yeah, they the guys who uh, did the podcast said they wouldn't even go into that area even to see where the movie was shot. Oh my! Yeah, I did a um, 
did some workout in Chicago one time, and my the hotel I was staying at was very near Wabash. And I went looking around for Van Buren just so I could say to my brother, hey, Dove, I'm at Wabash and Van Buren. Uh, but it was a little getting a little too far away from I was comfortable going. And I just not that it was like a sketchy neighborhood or anything, but I just, you know, I don't know the area. I don't want to get lost. So I never found it, but it was still cool. There's Dinah Manoff. She was in a TV show, right? Yeah. Empty Nest. Uh Never watched it. That was a spinoff of The Golden Girls. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they used to come on back-to-back, and sometimes uh, the characters from Emptiness would show up on The Golden Girls and vice versa. Really? Well, that's cool. <laughs> I love that line. I think I dated him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they said that Dinah Manoff was such a joy to work with, and they were so happy that they got her when she signed on. Yeah. Uh, her death is so violent. I know. And even to this day, like that whole scene leading up to it still just kind of creeps me out a little bit. It, it, you do have to suspend his belief a bit because, you know, she does kind of throw herself at least 10 feet to get to that window. Oh, of course. It's, you know, it's totally outrageous, but just every the suspense leading up to it, you know, the corner of her eyes, did someone just run? You know, like, ugh. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Alex Vincent? What do you mean, as far as looks go? <laughs> Not sure what his, you're asking. His, uh, his, um, his performance in the movie. Oh, he does a fantastic job. I think so, too. I think he does really well. And it's it's difficult. I always say how difficult it is to find child actors that can really pull it off. And I think he does exceptional, exceptionally well in this. Do you know the story of how he got the job? Yeah, about how he didn't want to say the... Yeah. Uh, the line. That she was a real bitch. She was a real bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he wasn't comfortable saying bitch in front of his mom. So he went off and cried. <laughs> But convinced everybody that he had forgotten the line. He's really convincing, too, in the scene when uh, he's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. He's in, like, a full-on asylum, too, by the way, which is kind of oh, crazy. Yeah. With, like, um, shock treatment equipment. Yeah, right. Within reach. Um, but the scene when he's, uh, he's right. cowering against the door. Yeah, and he's just starts bawling yeah yeah it's 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 really uh effective yeah. it, it really is like strings. i still my eyes start to water every time i see it literally every time like i don't want to see a six-year-old cry because he's scared he's gonna die like jeez. yeah yeah it's a lot for a little boy to take on but mm-hmm. I mean, he nailed it he did he did really well and i think he did really well in part two. Oh, absolutely I mean, I wish they would have fleshed out Kyle a little more, but her character is badass already. Mm-hmm. But you know, I wanted I wanted them to bring her to bring her back in part three. Like that would have been awesome. Andy and Kyle, you know, kicking Chucky's ass again. Yeah. 
I always wondered, like, where where did they go at the end of part two? I know. What what are you going to do now? Yeah, she's not really financially stable to to support a little boy. No. But, I mean, obviously they kept in touch because they're when you get into curse and cult andy's got you know kyle's picture and they're they talk and okay who's whining marnie is that you i never even noticed that or he had her picture in in cult it's either cult or, or the end of curse no, it's at the end of Curse after the credits when he's um, talking to his mom on the phone. It pans by his his desk and there's a picture of Kyle. Is it really Catherine Hicks on the phone? No, oh. no. But yeah, it's implied that it is. <laughs> I, I wonder how old she is here. Ah, just based on looks, maybe early 30s? Because she played a mom in another movie like six years before this one. A kid about, I think, Andy's age called... I think it's called... Blood Rage. Mm. I hear pawing. What is going on? I'm sorry. They want attention. I'm trying to keep them quiet, but tails wag, noises made. I apologize, world, but damn it, dogs are worth it. So do you have any other anecdotes regarding Um, your fandom of the movie? (sighs) Years later, when I was working at the movie theater, they had a little uh, Chucky plush doll in a crane machine, and I was determined to get one, so I spent $5 and quarters to get it. Mm. (laughs) And you didn't get it, right? Oh, I got it. Oh, you did? I got it. <laughs> and I have it moving about the house. His hair is starting to fall out because he's pretty old and sun damaged, but I still got the thing. And then my brother comes in and he gets it with a dollar. I'm like, you ass. I was so mm. mad. It was definitely something that I wanted a, uh, a Chucky doll as a kid, but I I never got it. Aww. Well, maybe as an adult, he'll be your friend to the end, Brandon. Mm. I wonder where that building is. I've seen it in other movies. Like what? I can't remember off the top of my head. But you have seen it. I have seen seen it. it. Yeah. That (laughs) exterior, for sure. It's just such a cool looking building. It's kind of creepy looking. It's very, uh, very ominous. Yeah. 
Oh, it's starting. He's alive. And I watch uh, Cinema Sins on YouTube, and they basically just say everything wrong with the movie and count the sins. And they did this one, and I shouted back out. I was like, no, there is nothing wrong with Child's Play. It is a perfect movie. Uh, I hate but, I hate that shit when people yeah. do podcasts or reviews just to pick a movie apart. Yeah, I mean, he they do it in a way that's... It's fun because they're not talking shit about it, but you know, you. But it's also stuff that's you can agree with that they make it laughable. Like, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, yeah, they would probably take a sin for her throwing herself out the window. <laughs> like, you did not get that hard with the hammer. <laughs> well, that seems silly to be, like that. That seems to be a lot of people's biggest gripe with this. Yeah, of course. Because it is kind of far-fetched. But, yeah, I... (laughs) When I first started um, doing commentaries for my uh, B-Movie Bonanza podcast some years back, I purposely... uh, uh, said to myself or sought out to do a podcast that wasn't an MST3K type uh, commentary because I wasn't going to make fun of the movies. It wasn't going to talk trash. It wasn't going to nitpick. I The whole point of it was for me to pick out movies that... I always had a particular fondness for, uh, in particular, more obscure titles and to mm. try to get them some exposure uh, for people to people who hadn't heard of them before. Right. Um, but slowly that kind of morphed into, you know, not me not necessarily being mean, but... Po- started, I started poking fun at some, certain things that, that didn't make sense as I got further down the list. Because I did 96 episodes of that one. Right. That's a lot. Um, and, you know, some of these, some of these, you got to be a little more critical. I mean, yeah, some may be, you know, nitpicky, but it's as long as you do it in a fun way that you can still enjoy your time with the movie. I think that's what that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. There's, I mentioned this, well, I don't want to say the name, but I mentioned this podcast a lot. Um, it's a, it's a Tales from the Crypt podcast mm-hmm. that uh, these two guys, they went through the entire series and they essentially didn't like any of them. They... They claim to be big fans of the series. However, they like maybe one out of five episodes. And it's always, would you recommend this one? No. Would you, would you say it's a skip? Absolutely. Well, that's no fun. No, it's not. That's, that's just being an asshole. Yeah. And... Because, I mean... 
I mean, I would recommend almost everything at least once, you know, that way you can judge for yourself. Mm. Well, uh, like, but like I said, most. I wouldn't recommend Rob Zombie to anybody. Yeah. But I mean, my best friend is a, or I should say was a big Rob Zombie fan. Oh God. You know, way back when. But when that's like all you do and you're not gonna change your style, you know, when it's just very vulgar and rednecky, you know, like kind of, you're not really doing much of anything anymore. Well, that's like the same thing with with Eli Roth. He hasn't yeah. grown at all as a writer. All of his characters are essentially the same. They talk the same. They act the same. They are all around the same age, primarily. Right. And yeah, like you can make a huge splash when it's brand new, but when that's all you do, you're, it's not going to be as impressive. It's, you know, going to get dull. Mm. You know, and as a... If you're a writer or director, like, wouldn't you want to grow your art and do something different and see how people take it? Well, I think in the case of both Eli Roth and Rob Zombie, they have these overinflated egos that lead them to believe that everything they write or produce or direct is gold. Right, right. That's just a little arrogant. Yeah. And Eli Roth claims to essentially know everything there is to know about the genre and i i kind of call shenanigans on that one yeah i mean i've heard his interviews and he's very knowledgeable he's very I mean, knowledgeable and he's very passionate but yeah, and so but, is rob zombie but being a big fan of the genre doesn't necessarily mean that you can make the genre yeah exactly that's you know kind of where i was going you know just but to claim you know everything that's you you i don't know in my opinion who are you to claim that for yourself mm -hmm. you know speaking of which i always um see you you're trying to um put a <laughs> you're trying to control your sniffing and i'm trying to consult uh, control my arms so well, I guess we both have something to work on. We do. But, but I, I've been getting better at hitting the mute if I'm going to sniff or belch. So I'm trying, damn it. Well, I don't <laughs> even have a mute. So if I do, I don't know how to use it. But <laughs> yeah, there but is there's a, there... a little button on my microphone. It's pretty cool. Oh, excuse me. Oh, yeah. I go fancy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um,. No, there there is a there is a podcast that I will shout out. I just discovered it. It's called Unsung Horrors. And I thought well, I knew that I knew my stuff to a degree. Like I said before when we were doing the Phenomena podcast, I really didn't branch out too much with the foreign cinema. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's a it's a guy and a girl and they really know their stuff with a lot of a really obscure titles and mm. their thing is they will only do reviews for movies that have under a thousand views on letterboxd so huh. they they do some 
they they've only got about 23 24 episodes so far but it's been pretty good and so far they've interest they've introduced me to a lot of stuff that I've never heard of and stuff that I'm definitely interested in checking out I kind of hope that there are English dubs of some of these titles because <laughs> they they definitely sound pretty far out there it's called unsung horror podcast horrors Horrors. Uh, yep okay cool check them out i've slacked on my horror podcast i used to listen to straight chillin all the time i I like them they're they do some obscure stuff but also some pretty popular stuff and then other stuff that's not horror they did an episode about beetlejuice and that was hilarious there's another podcast that I just recently got into that started in October, and it's, I was listening to all the back episodes and stuff, and I was really getting into it, looking forward to it, and mm-hmm. one, it's two guys uh, who are in like their mid-twenties, but for two guys who are in their mid-twenties, they, they, they know their stuff, too, I would say. Right. Um, but yeah, just as I was really starting to get into it and really enjoy it and feel like I, I was getting to know them. One of them announced that he's moving to South Korea. Oh my. Which is not something that you hear every day. Right. And they claim that they're going to be doing the show remotely, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. Wow, that's a bit of a jump. It is. And it was kind of sad because it, when they ended their their last episode, it it, it was kind of melancholic. It kinda, they weren't emotional with each other because they're straight guys. You know, yeah. straight guys don't do that. But it definitely sounded like there there was a touch of sadness. Right, because it's it was like kind of like they both knew that this was going to be the last episode. Yeah, they can say it, that it won't be, but you know. Yeah, I'll give them a shout out too. It's called shit. What is it called? Oh, Bloody Buddies. Bloody Buddies. Bloody Buddies. Yeah. They have fifty episodes. And... Yeah, I've heard of that one in, in scrolling. Really? Yeah, thought about giving them a try actually. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I like it. Okay. And they're they're funny. They're funny too. Well, I should hope so. I mean, we horror fans got to have some kind of sense of humor. Mm. Well, I don't think I'm any. I I'm willing to bet that people who listen to my podcast, you know, all three of them, don't think that I'm anywhere near as funny as I seem to think that I am. <laughs> Well, you're still a delight to talk to, so. You're not supposed to agree with me. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm such an asshole. There was (laughs) so much bait on that hook. (laughs) You're supposed to say, oh, no, Brandon, you are hilarious. You're the George Carlin of this generation. Oh, for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why I have self-esteem and, issues. Uh, you are 
<laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Don't say that. I'm on. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm really not. Damn it! Anywho. Oh, there was one part that I wanted to mention that I kind of glossed over, or that we that we talked over, but the scene when. What is her name? Uh, uh, Karen. Karen. Uh, when she gives Andy all of his birthday gifts, and you know he's got the he's got the uh, the jeans, and she gave him like the uh, the good guy the toolbox. The toolbox, yeah, yeah. And he, what always bothered me about that scene was he seemed very ungrateful, and he doesn't really say thank you he just says i want a good guy to go with it yeah and she her response is i know you do but i didn't know about it in time to save up for it which shows what a good mother she is to this kid where she's saving putting money aside money that she really doesn't even have because she's working a retail job to support Mm. this kid yeah and you know he's just saying i want yeah i mean he's six he's six that's you don't want to disappoint your six-year-old that's true but uh the original from my understanding the original script it act it delve into a little bit more about Karen and what had happened to his father um, and why and why she's working retail in the first place. But well, all they say in this in this version is that he he died and he's in heaven. Yeah, he's in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. But there was more to that than simply he just died. I, I mean, I guess originally they were going to go into a whole backstory for Karen, you know, get to know her a little bit more. But, you know, it would have been over like two hours long. So they had to trim that down. I don't remember the the backstory about Andy's father. Do you? No, they they just mention that in 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 interviews with Don Mancini and others. Um, but, yeah, it w- originally was going to be there. But with the writers and, you know, trimming and editing it just didn't make the final script. Mm-hmm. But I also uh, there was also a moment where they thought that Karen was going to be like a corporate bigwig for the toy company. Ugh. Yeah, but they decided to you know make her a struggling single mom. I don't like. Yeah, I don't like that yeah. at all. Yeah, it was going to kind of be like their comment on how their how. Conglomerates are basically training kids to be, you know, what are they called? Consumers, consumers in training, Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah, but, you know, I don't want to watch a movie to be talked about politics and, you know, corporate bigwigs. No. Don't do that to me, especially in the 80s. Karen, as she is... It makes her a lot more relatable. Absolutely. Because, I mean, there's plenty of people that identify with Karen and Andy. Mm -hmm. But I will say that, like, a six-year-old on a train and no one's going to ask him where his parents are? Well, 
This kind of strikes me as the same kind of environment that you would see in New York City, where everybody just minds their own business. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't get to ride the rail the rail system in Chicago. Oh, I got to ride it here every day going to high school. <laughs> and riding the subway is not fun. Yeah. Ew. That thing is alive. Oh, <laughs> he said the famous line a few seconds ago. Mm. I have to go tinkle. <laughs> so silly. Good lord. And this is just a rod puppet. Ew. Rats mm. are disgusting. Mm. Yeah, and he's squatting in this... Yeah, absolutely. God, this scene too is awesome. Just the anticipation of what's going to happen. I love how they had to include the shot of Andy pretty much as far away from the building as possible right before it explodes. Right. Just so you, there's no mistaking, he wasn't hit with any shrapnel. Well, I mean, yeah, he is just a little boy. I like that that shot of the roof just collapsing. I always thought that was a cool shot. I know. God, there's just so much to love about this movie. Yeah, I think it holds up. Like animatronics were just starting to become better quality. You know? Mm -hmm. And then you got this badass new horror villain that's not, you know cracking jokes every two seconds and that's not a silent type well he gets to the jokes a little later yeah but as far as this movie on its own yeah I mean I don't even think they could have anticipated how much how much it would grow you know I remember how surprised I was when Bride first came out because I really thought it was the end. I thought it was just going to be a trilogy and that was it. Yeah. Bride and came out in what, 96? 97? 98. 98, wow. Yeah, so there's, yeah. A, there's a gap because uh, part three was like 91. 91. Yeah, it, and it was, Jeez. they shot them back to back, and I think, I think part three came out like eight or nine months after part two. Really? It was a pretty, it was pretty quick. 
Wow, I didn't know that. But yeah, three. That would have been cool. Just three movies. I mean, I was more than excited when Chucky was coming back. But yeah, that's definitely when it got a little more hokey. I remember the Bride of Chucky website was one of the first movie websites that I I visited when I went to the library and nah. went on the internet. <laughs> That's funny. I Everybody was... seems to think that the Blair Witch Project was the first um, movie that had a website tie-in, but it was not. Really? It was, yeah, no, there were because that was ninety nine, and there were uh, movie tie in websites for stuff before that. You know, because like I said, there was Bride of Chucky, right? And um, there was also a website for the movie Strangeland, which came out in ninety eight as well. So, Strangeland is that the one about John Holmes? No, that's Wonderland. Oh. Well, I'm glad you knew what I was talking about. Yeah, I remember when Bride of Chucky came out. I hadn't seen it yet, but I would go on calling that movie preview phone and listen to the trailer mm -hmm. just, just to hear it. Mm -hmm. I, I remember just calling it over and over. Yeah. <laughs> he would say, hey, beautiful, and you'd hear Katherine Heigl scream. Mm. Yeah, too bad Katherine Heigl's such a biatch. I've heard that. That really, you know, that really kind of gets me down, because I always wanted to like her as a person. She seems like she'd be very nice and approachable in movies, but yes. yeah, and, oh. it's all an act. It's all an act. She's a better actress than we would assume then. Yeah. I mean, she's a great actress. I love her stuff, but, you know, you can like the work, but not the people, I guess. Yeah, I heard she's she's notoriously difficult. Yeah. I want to meet Kathy Bates. I have this random. I have this. Yeah, I know. I just have this image that she's could be like one of the coolest chicks to have a drink with. I would assume that she's probably very down to earth. Yeah, exactly. I remember when I first saw her in Misery and I was just enamored by her performance. Did you know that she was... I don't know if she was considered, um, but if this was right before Misery. She was doing the stage production of Frankie and Johnny, the movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and Al Pacino. Um, never saw it. Well, yeah, she was she was doing the 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 stage version. I think I don't know. I think it was off Broadway, but she got mm -hmm. a lot of notice and some really good write ups for her performance. And when they decided they were going to make a movie out of it, I think that she thought that it was going to be her her big break. Ah, but they 
I, I I don't know if she was ever even considered, but yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer got cast, which is very Hollywood because the character is supposed to be a plain Jane. Right. And and you got Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Like and it's gorgeous. It, it, they really made had to strive hard to make her a plain Jane. Right, right. I mean, she's just not all glammed out in the movie. The, the most that they did was like give her a little like foundation, and, like you know, not over style her hair, but she was right. still beautiful. Yeah, I mean, like, come on, like you, you're Michelle Pfeiffer, like you are gorgeous. There's no way to make you ugly. Yeah, but that was okay because uh, Kathy got misery. And fried and, green tomatoes. And fried green tomatoes. I remember that was the first thing that she did after Misery. What, fried green? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. It was, they made Misery, she won the Oscar that year, and then right after that, they started filming for fried green tomatoes. Oh shit. God. This part right here, that's like when the fun really started when I was six, when he comes alive. <laughs> Did you watch on the. Uh, on the DVD and the Blu ray, the rehearsals when Brad Dourif and and Catherine Hicks are, are rehearsing and he's you oh, know, yeah. playing the doll as yeah. himself. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's just... It's so cool how much Brad Dourif gave to this role. Like, even though he's only quote-unquote alive for, you know, the first... 15 seconds he gave his voice performance his entire yeah it's he badass. conveys he conveys so much with his voice his cadences absolutely um and the fact that that it wasn't the original intention either they were gonna have just brett dorf play charles lee ray and then the chucky was just gonna be the voice actor who did the the doll voice so um, imagine all of this with a doll voice sounding as so chucky it, mm, so it would have been a gay chucky uh i don't like that well yeah it wouldn't have come out as a horror it would have come out as comedy but still in an alternate universe that's how it happened mm. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's why I didn't like Mark Hamill's portrayal of Chucky. I didn't... There's, there's no real intensity 
behind his performance. He he's not scary. He's not intimidating. Uh, well, it's not the kind of a Chucky that was, or I should say, Child's Play that was made. You know, like it was. Well, Mark Mark Hamill did. He kind of gave it gave it like an air of. I don't want to say sadness, but despair, maybe, you know, because all he want, all he was trying to do was just, you know, make his friend happy. And he thought his friend was broken, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, I love this movie. I'm just going to say that now, but I also enjoyed the remake because they didn't try to do what this movie did. They made child's play for a new generation in an age of, you know, advancing AI technology, you know, they made it for the 21st century. And I respect them for that. But this will always be my go-to. I just remember a lot of uh, groaning and eye-rolling during the remake. It just, <laughs> it didn't do it. Yeah, me. and you know that's that's fine, and it wasn't. It, I didn't expect it to do it to do, to do, to do it for everybody. If I could speak properly, but you know, for me and my opinions, you know, that's how that's how I saw it. I didn't like the kid either. <laughs> the kid, Zakid. Did I tell you that story about? Chris Sarandon it's not even my story but it's um, a story that somebody I knew on MySpace some several years ago told me about uh, when she met him at a convention I don't know if I told I don't know if I told you on the podcast or I might have told you I can't recall conversations (laughs) but um she this was a long time ago obviously because this was myspace days but yeah i don't remember exactly what happened or what he said to her but she went to his table to you know get a a picture signed or an autograph or whatever and she Mm -hmm. just said that he was very much not there he didn't want to be there. He was kind of rude and just like stand standoffish or something. I think it was worse than that. Oh, well, that um, sucks. It was like no appreciation for the fans, and it was all about the money. And you right. know, next moved along. Oh, and that sucks. I think she wanted to talk to him, but he couldn't be bothered. And I think oh. he like cut her off. Um, and, but the kicker, and I love this, before she walked away, she said to him, no wonder Susan divorced her ass. Oh. Hot damn. I loved it. Oh, shit. God, see, that just sucks. Like, don't go to these conventions when you have nothing but adoring fans and then treat them like that. You know, I like, know. It's really sad when that I happens. Know. 
I think that's uh, even before I was visually impaired. That's that's one of the reasons why I wouldn't want to go to any of those things. But I would be, uh, first of all, I would be too. I would be too awkward, <laughs> and I would be too anxious. Uh, not just meeting, um, meeting them, but I'm I'm socially awkward anyway. Right. And plus, I would be I would just be uncomfortable in this very large setting. And uh, I, when I met John Waters at the at the book signing, I was having a fucking panic attack because there was this huge line going out the door, Aww. and my ex who was with me at the time was um like having a conversation with them and I was I was want I was I wanted to get a picture. Right. And um you know they were just talking and I'm like kind of like, oh God, there's all these people. And um you know, I'm like kind of behind John John's back making gestures at my ex like yeah. I wanna take the picture and um but he was nice um it wasn't a it wasn't a bad experience but i i took a really big risk how so and just going or what by just going and by meeting him because i i idolize him so much yeah and if he was mean to me i don't i wouldn't have been able to appreciate his art anymore yeah. the same thing when i met jack ketchum who's my my literary idol and mm. when i met him he he had a very extended line uh, of people and this was right before i gotten my first book published and i asked him i said do you have any advice for you know a struggling horror author and he said stood there and talked to me for a good 10 minutes giving me advice and he was a wealth of knowledge and he was very patient and kind and he was just very very cool and yeah see i mean that's there's more of those experiences at conventions than there are the celebrities that are assholes you know at least in my experience but to have something to like connect with them on on a real level that's even better because I haven't gotten that. Well, yeah. I mean, Fiona Dorf was easy to talk to, but it's not like we actually like connected on any basic level. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, every my experience, they've all been super nice, and if I can't afford them, then I just don't get them. Uh, Chris Sarandon was there one time that I went, but he was like, I don't know, over a hundred dollars for a, a selfie and oh, a get the fuck auto an autograph. Yeah, like I'm, I'm gonna spend money that I can't on people that I can't afford, and that'll probably be a little bit nicer to me. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine if you did spend the money and he was a total jerk off to you? Yeah, exactly. I met um, Darren Lynn Bowsman at one year and he was awesome like he he was so grateful you know just to have his fans there and it was on a slow 
a slow hour, so I was just like shooting the shit with them. And he said, like, here, like, James, you know, come sit down, like, on this side of the table and let's get a Shut picture. Up. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you directed Repo the Jetic Opera. Like, that's awesome. So, yeah, like, I got a picture with him standing behind me at his table. Like, that's fucking awesome. That's there's more really cool. Yeah, there's more experiences, more good experiences at a convention than there are negative. How many least, conventions have you gone to? Um, I've only done Frightmare, like, four times. Then I started school and, you know, my schedules conflicted and then COVID happened and I haven't been able to go these past few years, but I always had a blast. So this was you know? before you met Andrew? Yes. Do you think he would go with you? Probably not. Probably not. And if he did, he would probably just stay up in the hotel room. Oh. <laughs> because, like, I mean, I'm not gonna socialize with every single person that I see but you know if I see someone that's you know I want to get a picture with yeah like there was um a mom had brought in her like a three-year-old two-year-old probably son there and she had on the Freddy sweater but it was kind of like a sexy Freddy and oh. then it was a little boy who had a who had a Freddy sweater on as well with the little glove with the little Freddy glove. Oh. It was the cutest thing I had ever seen. Oh. And like, there were so many people that were crowding around and she, you know, she's holding him in her, in her arms and she's like, Hey, wave to everybody. And so like, we all got video of him waving. If the weekend was going, was started out shitty, that would have rescued it because I mean, yeah, it was so adorable. That's cute to make a, have a three-year-old dressed up like a a pedophile child killer. I know. The irony. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, those of us that attend Frightmare, we're serious. Yeah. You would have we to. We enjoy be. our horror. And the artwork that the people do for those things is just amazing. I got a... um a Nosferatu image. It's a hand-drawn image and it's got the Max Shrek, you know, with the vampire teeth, but it's got underneath of him. It's like this abstract collective of like the, of like the castle and the rats and the coffin and the ship and, you know, London, just everything that revolves that you see in the movie is on that image. It's really cool. Hmm. I've still never said. Didn't you say that you saw a lot of those older horror movies for a, a class? Um, not a lot of horror movies um, for class, but I did take my intro to cinema class last semester, and that was awesome because we we watched um, clips of of a bunch of old horror movies. There was um, Notorious, which was an Alfred Hitchcock movie which I want to watch, uh, Black Narcissist about uh, a nun who goes crazy doing uh, some volunteer work up in the Himalayas. Yeah. It was a good class. There are... Um, there are... Um, 
history of horror cinema classes that you can take. I don't know. Um, I doubt all that many universities offer them. Yeah, I'm sure UT probably has one. Probably. Uh, He's meeting with his mentor. God, puppeteering in this movie is just awesome. Yeah, I love it when he waves. It's so freaky. <laughs> Hi. Ew. Like but, his skin is flesh colored. He's becoming human. It's disgusting, but awesome at the same time. And he's got that big cigarette burn mark. Cigarette right? burn lighter. And that patch of gray hair on his right side. Mm, I never noticed that. Yeah. And his eyes are becoming more human. It's the Crypt Keeper's eyes, people. Yeah. I told you that. Oh, I've known that. <laughs> Kevin Yeager. Come on. He's awesome. I will say that um, there are two things about this scene that I've heard mentioned in reviews our podcast reviews of of the film. First one being, why would John tell him where his, his voodoo doll is? Mm -hmm. And the second is when he goes to the phone, who the hell is he going to call? I, jeez. Yeah. It's not like you can exactly call the police on this. You can't call the police and be like, okay, uh, could you come over here? There's a killer doll here. (laughs) Maybe he was getting in touch with the other shamans. Maybe. My question is, like, did Chucky make that of him? Or did John make that no. of himself? John made it because he, Chucky says you shouldn't let your clients know where right. you keep this. Okay. Okay, then that begs the question, why the hell would you make a voodoo doll of yourself? Yeah, exactly. That's another one. <laughs> Unless it was to keep him healthy. I don't you know. If, if the doll yeah. was in good condition, then he would be in good condition. Right. Like some kind of spiritual poppet or something? I guess. Ooh. A date with a six-year-old boy. That's the creepiest line in the whole fucking movie. I know, right? And no one, no one questions it. Uh-uh. <laughs> One would think that Tom Holland would be like, okay, um, this is a little unsettling. Or maybe he did, and then he had yes men saying, it's a doll. Come right. on. It's not like he could do anything. Ugh. Well, I don't know. I mean, he is becoming human. That he is. <laughs> God, so much blood. How he's still alive after getting yeah. stabbed in the heart, I have no idea. Yeah, if you get, if your heart gets punctured, you only have seconds, right? Uh, yeah. 
His heart is almost human. <laughs> He couldn't even finish that last consonant. <laughs> All right, now we catch back up with Andy. The building looks nice on the outside, but inside it's a total dump. Look at that, there's scratches on the wall. That's... Aww. That's like... Um, that's like... A, a perfect example of the asylums that were being shut down in the mm -hmm. 80s yeah just not proper upkeep patients were getting neglected uh definitely not the right place for a six-year-old yeah oh Oh, poor kid. No, yeah. He's. <sighs> I forgot what he said that they told him to make him cry, but like, I don't know how he was able to cry on command like that and look genuinely terrified. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know that story about um? Miko Hughes in uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh, that he was petrified of Robert Englund in the makeup? No. Um, uh. That he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't cry or he, could, he couldn't look scared. Really? He had trouble. And this was in one of the documentaries i don't remember which one it might have been never sleep again mm -hmm. but wes craven told this story because you know his nico hughes's father was john hughes right yes so john hughes was on the set and he was talking to wes he was saying you know how's miko doing and blah 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 and wes was like i don't i'm not getting the the proper emotion out of him for this scene um i really need him to be distraught i need him to cry and john hughes says well there's one thing that i can that i can do oh no i don't like to do it often <laughs> but if you really need me to i'll do it and wes is like okay so john goes up to his little boy and says to him your mother is dead oh, oh my god that's horrible i know jeez who would have thought john hughes had a dark side oh i heard he was a total dick that sucks Well, he did keep John Candy longer than expected on Home Alone and paid him nothing. Yeah, and John Candy improvised that whole scene in the in the van. Oh yeah. Like he was doing that little role out of the kindness of his heart. And then, you know, John apparently John he was just treated him like shit. I love the, I love the um, 
just on a quick Home Alone thing. Um, I love the scene when when Catherine O'Hara is at the the desk and she's you know hysterical, and John, you see John in the background, John Candy like reacting to everything she says. Yeah, and then when she says. I will ride with the devil himself. <laughs> and you just see John Candy go, oh, my God. <laughs> like, he can't believe, like, it's like, I can't believe what I'm hearing. <laughs> I got to do something to help this poor woman. No. I miss him. He was awesome. I know. He was so awesome. And he was died way too young. Way uh, yeah. too young. He was like 42, 44. Early 40s, yeah. Something like that, but... Unhealthy habits. Just didn't take care of himself, which sucks. Yeah, I just... I watched Armed and Dangerous a few weeks ago. Shut up, I love that movie. (laughs) That movie's hilarious and still funny. That's one that used to be on, like, all the time, every weekend when I was a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, HBO used to play it a lot. <laughs> I love the, of course, my favorite scene is when they go to the the, the uh, porno bookstore. <laughs> and they steal the outfits. Oh my goodness. And then you see Lu- Eugene Levy walking with the assless chaps. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he actually did that or if that was a butt double. No, that was him, because you see him <laughs> turn around. <laughs> Ugly doll. I love that line so much. Fuck you. <laughs> now I want to watch Armed and Dangerous. Yeah, it's still a good one. Meg Ryan before she was the big Meg Ryan. And Meg Ryan before Meg Ryan got a totally new face. Did she really get a facelift? Oh, she got more than a facelift. <laughs> She got a new face. You haven't seen her like over the course of the past 10 years or so? Uh, no, actually. Never really thought about it. Oh, she's not one of them. She's not one of my list that's that I think. Oh, I wonder what she's up to. Yes, she went kind of crazy. With She got a lot of fillers. She got the big fish lips. She just doesn't look like Meg anymore. Nope. That's sad. I mean, come on. Just age gracefully. Look at Betty White. She's freaking 90s and still sharp as a tech and she's still beautiful. Helen Mirren, too. Helen Mirren. And, um... Uh... Who's that French actress? Uh, Catherine Deneuve. Who? Catherine Deneuve. I don't know. I'm pretty sure she has aged gracefully. And Meryl Streep, too. I don't think she's yeah, had Meryl anything St- done. No? Like, Meryl Streep, you can tell, just, like, takes amazing care of herself. And plus, I think she doesn't want to play the same characters you know she wants to be as many different people as possible and knows that she can't do that if she's stuck 
at a certain age. Right, right. Yeah, I love Meryl Streep. I think oh she's God, awesome. Who doesn't? <laughs> I think Meryl Streep is one of those very rare exceptions who can give a stellar performance even with a shitty script a comp- she could make a rob zombie movie good yeah that's the secret to rob zombie <laughs> he needs meryl streep he needs meryl Sh- exactly <laughs> Yeah, I never. Did you ever see um, Music of the Heart? No. No, me neither. I want to. Uh, Madonna was actually supposed to be in that. Really? Mm hmm. Huh. Well then. She. Yeah, she, she dropped out to do Evita. Never saw that one either. Well, Wes Craven should have been so lucky. <laughs> Meryl Streep can outact Madonna any day of the week. All right, let's calm down. No, no, I stand I mean, by I'm it. not. I know. I'm not saying you're wrong, but. <laughs> I enjoy Madonna as much as the next person, <laughs> but she has her faults and her strengths. Madonna, if you ever hear this, I mean you no harm. I highly doubt a podcast will do anything to her stature. Mm. Well, I just gotta hope that nobody from any of the uh, Facebook groups hears this. Because <laughs> they are crazy. <laughs> They, Aren't we all just a little bit? I, um, when her last record came out, she, uh, Madame X, they had Madame X radio on Sirius XM. And I listened to it and they kept playing the same fucking songs. <sighs> the, they played This Used to Be My Playground and I'll Remember more than anything else. It was wow. Uh, it was just the same stuff, and she has a pretty extensive catalog. Yeah, and shit. I was in one of the groups, and I said something about has any has anybody listened to to Madame X Radio? They keep playing the same songs over and over again, and. I used the dictator function on my phone a lot, and for some reason it didn't say Madam X Radio, it just said Madam X. So within minutes, like I had all these responses of people trashing me because they thought that I was talking shit about the new album. Oh, jeez. And they were saying, like, you know, fucking... If you don't like her, then you don't belong in this group, and she doesn't need you as a fan. And da, 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 da. I was like, "Whoa, jump back!" Right. And then yes, yesterday, actually, uh, one of the posts came up in my feed, 
and somebody was asking, what do you think is the worst Madonna song? And I only saw one response and said, and they said, um, none of them. She's Madonna. Everything she does is amazing. And you're, you're an asshole for even asking. Oh, jeez. Like, dude, come off it. Oh, the blink blink. I missed it. I forgot. Did you notice it? What? Um, the puppeteer's arm? No. When Chucky, when Chucky um, says, Andy, no, please, we're friends to the end, remember? And he blinks his eyes twice. Oh, yeah. And it's so cute. <laughs> he, he just doesn't want to die. But no, in that fire sh- in that fireplace, you can see the puppeteer flailing his arm. He wasn't oh, really I never covered. knew that. Yeah, it's just before the you know Andy No scene. Yeah, and it's like it's still visible in the HD version. Um, I don't know. I don't think I don't think I've actually watched it on on Blu-ray yet, but. Well, yeah. if this what if they, you're watching it on Prime, I would assume it's the HD. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, it's still there. Like, you can see the glove. The, it was like an arm-length glove that was probably supposed to go to his elbow. But, like, you can see he was flailing so much and so hard that you can see his bicep in the shot. It's pretty mm. funny. Nothing that takes away from the movie, but it's still funny. I don't like it that with the new 4k stuff they're removing those kinds of flubs i know i love continuity errors did you hear in um the new 4k restoration of terminator 2 they went in and um cgi'd out uh schwarzenegger's dick what? Yeah, you see, there's a, there's a there's a butt shot, and with the movie in 4K, you could see his dick between his legs. Oh. And they went in and they CGI'd it out. Oh, Arnold, what a prude! And there's also a scene where there's a stunt on the motorcycle, and you can clearly see that it's. Uh, the, the face the of a stunt, stunt double, double. Yeah, yeah and they they superimposed his face on it dude that's so lame i know it's like yeah we we don't really think that that's you arnold we know it's not you like and now you're just gonna pretend like it is no no i don't like that me neither that's it's like, lame everything's it's, lame <laughs> that's the george lucas bullshit all right like kept going in and adding and polishing and doing all the shit to the Star Wars movies. Not that I'm a Star <laughs> Wars fan, but if I was, I think that would have pissed me off. Yeah. Marnie, you okay? Yeah, I think she's dreaming. Oh. That's Getting close to the end. That shot when... Well, first of all, I don't think any and any knife could have gone through the door but i don't know I, there would have to I mean, be some pretty, sharp enough with enough force uh, that dolls have to um <laughs> but 
No, I always thought that the blood in um, Karen's hand looked weird. It it looked like kind of orangey. Yeah, I've noticed that too. And what's happening with the people that live underneath of her? I know. <laughs> like, oh my god, what's going on? There's bullets coming. She out probably the ceiling. killed four people. <laughs> Another one of my favorite moments, too, is when the partner um, uh, brings the head into the bedroom mm-hmm. and Andy notices and he just goes behind his mother. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I, I can't do this anymore, Mom, please. <laughs> oh, and the scene when... Did I tell you this? The scene when um, the body comes out of the vent. I was watching this with my nieces who, they're twins. They were like, I don't know, they were young. They were like six at the time and they were so into it. Oh, perfect age. (laughs) I know. And like prior to this, well, I always had the volume up uh, loud anyway. Uh And... When he burst through that vent, the two of them just about hit the roof. Aww. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not paying attention, the head turnaround scene will scare the shit out of me. I never understood what the fuck that noise was when he pokes the head and it kind of goes... <laughs> Oh, that squishy noise? Yeah, it's like, what the hell is that? Uh, I don't know. Probably like remnants of the burnt plastic. I don't know. No! (laughs) Be sensible. This was after Star Trek IV, correct? You're asking the wrong person. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, who's got a lifeline? Yeah, because she made... Pretty sure it is. I think Star Trek IV came out in... 85 or 86? Yeah, okay, 86, yeah. Because she was one of the... Main characters in the movie. So, and then she went on to do this a couple years later. She wasn't a mom yet. So, she had some trouble connecting with Alex Vincent at first. She has kids now. Yeah, the, um, she she married Kevin Yeager, the puppeteer, the designer. Are they still together? Uh huh. Yeah, they're married. I think they've got a few kids. I don't know how many, but yeah, they met on this set. Um, yeah, she, um, like I said, she wasn't a mother, so the um, Alex Vincent's mom gave her like a little marble or something to give to him. And that was like kind of what chipped away the ice a little bit so that they can get a little closer. And apparently he still has it. Huh. <laughs> a little bit of actor knowledge for you there. 
And when they were shooting, that was like one of the coldest winters that Chicago had seen in like a hundred years. Yeah, I remember hearing that. <laughs> God, For you, kids. it would probably be like the coldest winter in 200 years because you're not used to the cold down there, are you? Uh, no. I mean, I went to Minnesota for Christmas one year and, you know, that shit was cold. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but I mean, I, despite being cooped up in the house and all the power shit that was happening, I still enjoyed it for what it was. So I went, you know, wandering around a little bit, but then it, it got old. It is interesting, too, because like in certain areas, snow is just like nothing to people. Yeah. And like especially Chicago being one of them because they have really shitty winters mm-hmm. and a lot of snow. But um, like when uh, uh, Karen drops Andy off at the uh, at the daycare center or the school or whatever the fuck that was, she's walking um and there's like three inches of three or four inches of snow on the ground and it's still (laughs) coming down right and in philly everything would be shut down but everybody was just like walking around like it was nothing yeah just and was it what you're accustomed to was it ever explained why all the kids were showing up with their dolls um not specifically, but I assume because it, the good guy doll was like the hottest new shit on the market for kids. So, you know, he's not going to be the only one that has one. Mm. He's just going to be the only one that has, you know, a deranged one that wants to kill him and take over his soul. Yeah. Bet you the other kids can't say that. <laughs> well, well, that's the end of Child's Play 1. Mm hmm. And a fantastic movie. Anyone who has not seen it, get your eyeballs on it. I love the pacing of this movie. It's just, it flows so well. It does. It really does. Like, it's not even 90 minutes. And when you... when When I do these commentaries, I tend to look at the movies with a more analytical eye. And it really stands out to me when there are lulls. And I really notice when certain scenes go on a little too long. Yeah, when nothing is happening. Nothing is happening, and it's like, you know... And no one's saying anything to drive the story. Yeah, Yeah. same here. Like, I saw the the remake of Pet Cemetery in theaters, and just that scene where he's, like, in the basement looking for his dead daughter... You know, that just dragged on and on. I'm like, okay, like, get to it already. Is he going to find her? Is she there? Is she even in the house? Is he gonna, is she going to kill him? Is she going to... You know, it's just oh, so annoying. I pretty much blocked out that movie. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to like it, but it just... it. The, firm, the original one traumatized me. I cannot watch that movie to this day. Well, yeah, because of Zelda. Exactly. You know? Zelda traumatized many many people yeah yeah but like to not not even get an inkling of that fear that i felt back then you know not worth it no did you really expect that you would though i mean i i try to like i i like to try and give movies a chance i want i want to be engrossed in that world you know and 
see what the film can can do for me or and at the very least make me jump you know but like that movie was just boring just so fracking boring it was it really was and, and it i tried... love john and i love john lithgow but even he couldn't save it yeah no and plus he said that he didn't want to do the main accent because he didn't want people to think that he was doing an impression of Fred Gwynn. Right. But I think that uh, kind of, that kind of ruined it. Yeah. I know he was, he was so fucking great in that, in the original pet cemetery. Mm-hmm. Kids, um, in case you don't know, Fred Gwynn played Herman Munster. If you don't know who the monsters are, you need to do some research. By the way, he was another one who was not very approachable at conventions. Really? Yeah. I think the one thing that anno- that annoyed him more than anything was being asked about the monsters. Aw. It was like his iconic role. Well, he, it, but it was like the 60s, so he'd probably been talking about it for fucking 30 plus years, so I kind of uh, get it. Fair enough. To a degree... But still, I mean, you know, when you have fans who are there to meet you because of one of your most iconic roles in your entire career, you have to just grin and bear it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a hell of a legacy to leave behind. It is. Oh, shit. Speaking of which... Did you hear that? I don't know if this is a rumor or if this is um, proof or if this has been proven. But did you hear that Rob Zombie is supposed to make a movie of the monsters? You're freaking kidding me. I wish I was. (sighs) Why? The monsters isn't even horror. It's horror adjacent. But it's not horror. Yeah, could you, but could you imagine? It's like when the, the monsters are all going to be fucking white trash, dropping f bombs every other word. Dude, no. I don't. I I have trouble believing that this is actually true because his last few movies did so poorly, and we're going yeah. back to Halloween too. So, I mean, and then I mean for. Um, I think for both 31 and three from hell, he, they were, he had to get crowd financing for them because you could, yeah, get they both bomb? well, yeah. And three from hell, especially was panned by pretty much even his most, um, ardent fans. Really? So, and poor D Wallace. Oh, I know. How could you? Oh. I didn't see it, but I, when I heard that she was in it, I was like, oh, no. And I love Duala so much. Like, she needs to find another source of income. Mm. I mean, I'm sure she's fine with all the stuff she's done, but still. She's a legend. She's Duala. She she deserves better. Exactly. Better than that. She does Frightmare sometimes, too. Yeah, she does a lot of those conventions. And I heard she's just as sweet as can be. Oh, yeah. I went to um, 
one of her panels, I think it was celebrating, um, oh God, what's that movie? The Howling? Um, no, um, Hills Have Eyes. Oh. And um, Michael Berryman was there as well. And they were just shooting the shit. And then it was time for their question and answers. And I asked her, like, she doesn't really care for horror movies, but she likes making them because she thinks that they're just a lot of fun to be involved with. But she herself doesn't like horror movies, which I just thought was really funny. That's that's not uncommon. Indeed. Okay. Well, we should probably wrap this one up. Alrighty. But it was, of course, a lot of fun, as per usual. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad I'm definitely because this is one that I've been wanting to do with you for a while now. So I'm glad we finally got this one in the can. Seriously. Which episode is this? Do you have a count yet? I don't know because I have I have so many episodes that have yet to be posted <laughs> and scheduled. Well, it's still special because it's child's play and Chucky is the man. I might just post. I might post them back to back. Um, this one and part two together, uh, like on a Monday and a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, just so the quote-unquote fans don't have to wait <laughs> oh they're out there but um well i mean my uh, me fans of me <laughs> and i'm being facetious very much so but and okay. i'm and i'm cheering you on mm. <laughs> so let's wrap this one up so we can take our little breather and then we can get into child's play too all right sounds good So until Child's Play 2, this is Brandon Ford wishing you unpleasant dreams.